The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100. Get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Yes, sir. We are back with another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host. You know me. You know the voice. You know the guy. It's me, Really Real, Villain Real, Terrell Furman Jr. here at your service. And we have a loaded cast here on a Friday edition of NBA Gambling Podcast. First, you know my guy, partner in picks. He's been there. Scott Studio, Rachel. Scott, what's going on? Doing pretty well. I uh, ended up having a pretty good day yesterday. I know that there was some injury news. Porzingis was ruled out, and we pivoted to Kuzma. I think we mentioned that in the Discord. That worked out pretty well. Had a bunch of points, bunch of rebounds. He had himself a massive game. Uh, besides that, though, lost the lock with Josh Hart. Played a bunch of minutes. I think he played 38 minutes. Just couldn't get yeah. four assists. But I had Capella, 12-plus uh, rebounds as my dog at plus 210. I believe he had 18 rebounds after three quarters, and yep. that was really never in doubt. He had 19 uh, after yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> 19 after three, finished with 20. He had to play a bunch of minutes against Embiid, and he came through. So still a winning day, made over a unit, but still would have been nice to get another sweep. No, we were good. Yeah, I would have liked I would have liked a lot, too. Fucking Dallas. Dallas is just, uh, I don't know. You man. got the dog, though, so there's that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we could go back to the dog. And the dog got, I don't know, when my dogs appreciate in value, because I just gave out the Atlanta dog, and it was started at plus 140. Then it got to 220 because Trey was out. My dog appreciated in value again here because I gave out Portland. Dame was ruled out, and they still got the job done on the money line. I mean, Scott, we just, we're just we on fire. We're giving out crazy parlays. We're giving out huge dogs. Like it, it doesn't matter. You can get everything over here. Third man in the booth, we have my guy, former. Well, no, he's still an ANT Aggie. Shout out to my guy, Delonte Smith. What's going on? What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, I with you on the Portland. I was uh, I was thinking that uh, Dame was gonna actually play on the back to back, and they would get some of those guys back. So I thought six and a half was kind of short. So I played it, and then I seen it balloon, and I was like, well, I could count this as a loser. But they came out. Jimmy Grant got the job done. Uh, the Blazers, I've been I've been on them like all year. The ten and two against the spread, eight and two as a dog. Yes, uh, I've been telling people this Blazers yeah, team just, is legit. Yeah, yeah, this playing, Blazers team's legit. They're playing really good. Uh, two th- two teams I keep fading: Miami and uh, Charlotte. I mean, I couldn't fade them last night because they played against each other. But just constant money makers: uh, Miami two and ten ATS, Hornets three six and one ATS. Uh, they just. Just bet against them no matter what. They're just – they're not good right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let Miami's Terrell actually good. get into that because I know that Terrell was officially – he kind of proclaimed something yesterday if the Heat did not cover the spread. Yep. Uh, you want the floor? 
You want to do yeah, that? Yeah, no, I could, I could take it and just go ahead and wrap it up. I mean, it's really quick. We're not betting the Heat anymore or, as a favorite. We're not betting the Heat as a favorite. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. You are one in six as a favorite at home to start the season. Like, no. At this point, they have to show it to me. I already didn't like them as favorites on the road. Now you're telling me I can't trust them as favorites at home. We're just not going to bet Heat as a favorite anymore. We're going to get the Heat as a dog, and then that's when we're going to smash and probably take the money line and cash. But this team, when they have expectations from the books, they do not live up to them. It is Point blank simple. There's no reason they shouldn't have covered that 10. I don't care if Tyler Hero didn't play. There's they no were also up double digits after three. They were terrible in the fourth quarter. They basically blew the game just to win in overtime, but they were in a good spot to win it. Charlotte's on a back to back. You figured the fourth quarter is probably the least likely quarter they'd come back from a back to back from a, a double a double digit deficit because of fatigue. And instead they no showed the fourth. But I do kind of want to ask, since the Heat did end up winning, they didn't cover obviously in overtime. What exactly is wrong with that team? Because we know Golden State can't guard anybody. We know the young players have not played well. That's a big reason why the Nets yep. have had distractions. The Lakers are old and they can't shoot threes. There's a lot of obvious flaws with these mm-hmm. struggling teams. I really can't figure out why Miami is so bad compared to most years because they're not really injured. They basically have the same core, and Butler's putting up massive 35-point games. They still can't cover. So what exactly is the problem with this team? I feel like the issues are a lot less noticeable with this unit than other superstar teams around the league. I will say that the issue is we don't know what the issue is. <laughs> like, we don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> like, that's, the, that's the issue. And it's just so funny because like as soon as you said it, I knew where you were going. And I'm like, bro, I can't. I can't point it out because Jimmy Butler had almost what a thirty point. If didn't he score thirty? A thirty. Point, I mentioned, I mentioned triple, triple double. He had thirty five, eight, and seven. Like yeah, he, he almost had a thirty point line. triple double, and they go in there and can't barely, barely win the game, let alone cover the spread. Bam played good as he always plays against Charlotte. You know, he's a North Carolina guy, so I, I truly don't know what it is, and you can't sit here and tell me that. I mean, I guess you could say that they need more options scoring the ball, but they still put up a decent amount of points. Like it ultimately, I'm gonna just go back to what I thought that they needed after the playoffs last year and after that, you know, uh game seven against Boston is I thought that they needed a another shot creator, somebody that could come off the bench and create for themselves, not others. Because they have a they play team basketball, they and their offense is jaded around. on getting everybody the best possible shot for that player. If they needed something, if they just needed somebody to go get a bucket, they needed somebody to come off and do that. And so I, I was like, somebody small, not somebody huge, somebody small. I think that's still an issue. Do you have any thoughts to want to take? I uh, honestly, brought it up, I, I, but... I don't, I'm, with, I'm with both of you guys. Like, I don't really know. I mean, they're probably the well, the most well-ran organization i mean aside from golden state they got one of the best coaches in the nba and i just i really don't know what the issue is i mean some of the some of the pressure might be on jimmy he's doing like so much uh him also with bam and then lowry being old and he's not able to do what he do do what he usually does um i mean they're just dependent on they're more dependent on hero as far as from a shot making perspective hero hero butler it's pretty much the only two guys that can create for themselves. And then Lowry has to do that plus create for others. He has to get other guys going. So um, maybe some wing depth. I think I don't know about Oladipo. I mean, he's always hurt. Uh, maybe he would have been a decent help. 
But like to say, man, I just I really just don't know what's up with this team. Yeah, and it also uh, it's worth mentioning Hero didn't play, but Butler went for 35, 10 and 8 and Adebayo went for 18 and 14. So you got big contributions from your main two guys. You even got 14 points off the bench from Robinson. Vincent was bad from the floor, still gave you 12 points. So you had mm-hmm. decent bench production and yet you still barely beat the Hornets. There's really no serious red flag. It just seems like this team for whatever reason is just playing down the competition. No offense to P.J. Tucker. I don't think it's because P.J. Tucker's no longer there. I'm just going to say that, but that's a whole separate can of worms. I know Terrell's connection was kind of iffy. I think he just went to reset everything. But yeah, I, thought, take- I thought that was me. I thought it was uh, me. You have any takeaways from last night as well? Uh, because the Heat was the main one. Yes, they won, but it was really a great spot against a really bad shorthanded Hornets team, and they couldn't fully capitalize. Is it time to have the Philly conversation? And- or you want to talk about Dallas first? Uh no we we can we can stick with we can stick with Miami I mean just because I was a lot lower coming in on Miami simply because of all the things that we you know kind of went over like the shot create the shot creating is it's not it's just not there I mean other than Hero like they rely a lot on Bam to run some of the sets especially in the half court he has the ball in his hands more most of the time more than Kyle Lowry I mean they mm-hmm. rely on him to do a lot which is why they struggled against Boston because they because Tatum Brown were able to, you know, kind of neutralize and up to a lesser extent Horford were able to neutralize Bam and his ability to be able to create. So I mean, I just I just don't think that they're just that good at right now at the moment. Maybe it's just as a favorite, but I just I don't see what they can do. Maybe lineup tinkering, but um I just on the lineup right now, you know you can't trade Lowry. His contract's right. too bad. You can't trade right. him. So you're stuck right. with Lowry, who's past his prime. Uh, Struess has been terrible, for the most part, from three this season. You look at the supporting cast, and you thought it'd be better. But yeah. I just feel I like agree. the Heat definitely need to do something. Because this current roster right now, they might not get out of the first round. I agree. 100% I agree. But they weren't even arguably the most disappointing team last night. I mean, the Sixers have some injuries I'm going to ask you, Terrell, who would you rather talk about next? I know we got to get into the slate. Would you rather talk about the Sixers or the Mavericks? Oh, ew, neither. Let's go to the slate. Fuck you want to just go to the slate? <laughs> I was, was going to bring it up just because both teams were awful last night. But, I mean, the Sixers, I guess, have an alibi because Harden's not playing and he was they're paying him like a bunch of money. And uh, Tobias Harris is overpaid. So the supporting cast isn't very good. That Dallas loss was brutal. That <laughs> was really, really bad. I think Christian Wood is a lot, a real, a lot of what they want to do offensibly, though. So I will say that you know, I think that's a, a I, that's a problem in itself. But we can yeah, unpack it that slowly yeah, it but surely. Is. But it's rough for Dallas right now. But they're also up double digits. They completely fell apart in the second half. But they're on a back to back. Porzingis though not in the lineup. Beal's not in the lineup. You still lose the game pretty handily. I don't think we'll Dallas say, is very good. I'll say this before we move on. Christian Wood has to play for Dallas to be a solid team because ultimately what all they're doing is just playing Christian Wood and second stringers. And so Christian Wood is the focal point of the offense. And then he, and then what he does ends up ultimately creating for everybody else. So when you take that piece out of it, there's really no identity on that second string when you have, you know, your Luca and your Dinwiddie come out of the game. So it's either, you know, Christian Wood in the second stringers or Luca and Dinwiddie are playing the whole game. So, uh, 
Wood, I, I, yeah. I'm not backing this. I'm not backing this team until Christian Wood comes back, and then I see a little bit more. No, after the, that. The, the game's extre- it's extremely simple to bet Dallas or bet against them. If you want to bet Dallas, just parlay it with Luca over in points because <laughs> the only way they're going to throw the only way they're going to win is if Luca goes nuts because his usage rate is one of the highest of all time because they actually yeah. can't do anything when Luca doesn't have the ball. Now I know Dimwitty was good yesterday. They got Hardaway Jr. back, but you're looking at. Dallas's it, roster. It feels and, like Jokic. It feels like Jokic in that really Nuggets does. team when everybody was hurt. At, it feels like Harden, like on the Rockets, where he's yep. won the ball for exact 20 same seconds thing. every single every single possession. But That's a good point. Dallas really needs to trade one of the wings because I'm looking at Reggie Bullock. I'm looking at Hardaway Jr. I'm looking at Finney Smith. I think they're decent players as role players. But if you're going to have three separate guys who are just going to stand in the corner and shoot threes, but none of them actually want to dribble the basketball – your team's extremely limited offensively. They need another wing, another ball handler that can actually take some pressure off Luka because I don't know if I've seen Finney Smith take more than five dribbles the entire season. That's not exactly <laughs> no, ideal. Yeah, no, so Tim Hardaway is the only one out of those three that, that can actually create for himself. Now, I know you he's coming off a with big the injury. Do you actually like his handle? Or is he yeah. mostly a screen, a come-around screen guy? Yeah, I, no, I, he, I like it. Yeah. I think he's yeah, got a handle, but basically still, what I've seen the NBA. Hey, you got to remember who his pops is, though. You got to remember who his yeah. pops is. He, I, I learned, he, he learned that. He he's learned a bit that. Of a, I'm not saying his handle's bad. I'm just saying the last couple of years, he really has not had to use the handle. It's and every now and then, you see a player who... You know, you kind of don't use it that often, and your handle gets a little bit weaker as time goes on. Yeah, but no, no, I think it's I don't think I've seen Hardaway time. be a serious ball handler since arguably with the Knicks. It's been a long time since he's actually yeah. had a big responsibility of dribbling the basketball. Yeah, and it's because that's more because that's not what. And we're going back to you know Rick Barnes, Dallas, and that's just not what Rick Barnes wanted to do and wanted him to do. He wanted him more to play Carlisle. to the wing. I think Carlisle. Carlisle. I said Barnes. Yeah, Carlisle. He's, Rick he's, Carlisle. He, he underachieves as well. Yeah, he <laughs> underachieves as well, but. And we got to hurry up because we got to talk about the games. But last point is that just Rick Carlisle wanted him more to be a spot-up shooter, and he really didn't tap into that. And then he's been injured this whole time with Jason Mm -hmm. Kidd. So I do expect when he's back in game shape and under game minutes that he takes on a little bit more of that Spencer Dinwiddie last year coming off the bench as a third ball handler in that offense. So you had the Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Luka. Now you're going to have the Luka, Dinwiddie, and – Hardaway Jr., I think he can handle that. It's just, you know, he's got to get back into game shape. It's been a long time since we've seen him. I think he can, too, but the point is with Brunson no no longer on the team, they only have two serious ball handlers right now. It's going to take – I think Dallas will look look a lot better towards the end of the season than they do now. I will say that. I I agree, but they need another another ball handler. They just need it. Yeah, I mean, we just – it kind of boils down to, I mean, they got to – Trust those guys. I mean, it's just Luca has the ball in his hands so much. I mean, and they got a choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. But you gotta at least try to get some of those guys off the ball. I mean, Brunson was pretty much the same player as Luca with the second squad. So I mean, him his absence is definitely showing up. But uh, like you said, I mean, they they do got to get some more ball handling to be able to take some pressure off a little bit. Would make them a lot better for sure. All right, fellas, we got to talk about these games. Before we do that, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Look, you have the Win Casino. You have online casino play. You have bet sports betting. You have the WinBet Win Hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursdays. Get a larger payout on the game of the week. Great promos, odds, and payouts. Everything at WinBet. So much shoes from all you have to do is head over to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. 
Offer subject change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. All right, let's get into this slate. First game up, we have the Denver Nuggets playing the Boston Celtics. Celtics are laying four and a half at home. 230 and a half is the total. It's actually dropped from 233. Injury report for these two games. And we have Ishmith, who is out for the Nuggets, and Malcolm Brogdon, who is out for the Celtics. Brogdon's hurt already? What are we, 10 games in, 11 games in? Hey, man, you know, look, I, I love lost because I, I had the under. Healthy. I had the under. I didn't uh, think he was going to make it this far without an out, but here we go. <laughs> All right. Nuggets, Celtics. Scott, what are you doing? I'm on the over in this game. I don't really understand the under money. I Both teams defensively have really not been great lately. Boston's excusable because you have Robert Williams, who is one of the best or most impactful defensive players in the league, and he hasn't played. So the rim protection has not been great for Boston. Denver is an offensive team with a lot of weapons because you have Jokic and a bunch of three-point shooters, and you tell them have some fun. And that's basically how they score a bunch of points every game. But Denver's defense has kind of been awful lately. And I'm not saying it fully goes back to Jokic because I know in the playoffs he got torched for being a bad rim protector. But overall, they're really not a good defensive team. Porter Jr. has been a mess defensively since he came into the league. Jamal Williams off injury has not really been a great defender either. I'm just looking at this Denver team, and they got into a track meet against the Pacers, but they ended up scoring at least 122 in three of their last four games. Boston can score a bunch of points. Boston scored at least 123 in three of the last four. I see a track meet in this one. I'm just on the over. Both teams want to run. I think that's going to definitely result in a lot of good or high number of possessions for both sides. I'm on the over. I think the side's up in the air. I think I'd lean Boston, but I don't feel great about it. I'm just on the over. Do you understand why there's under money? Because I think both teams could get to 115, and I would not be surprised. I think the only only thing that I could, you know, determine why there's under money is because the total was just so high. Yeah. But I I, I can't have no – I have no quarrels with you taking over there. Anything on the side? For the side, I think I'm going to lean Boston. I'll just take him in the garden, but I don't feel great about it either. I really don't have anything strong about the side because we know Boston's been a bit of a psycho team this season, and that's kind of why I'm staying away. But mm-hmm. I do like the over a lot. Both teams defensively have really not shown me much. And since the pace will be there because both teams want to run, I'm just expecting a massive amount of points. You're going to see a couple of Twitter parlays on this game of just blind overs for player props, and it's going to end up hitting some random person hitting a 15-leg alternative like over whatever. <laughs> it's going to happen. But either way, I'm on the over. I just see a lot of points in this game. Boston 5-0 and straight up in the last five. This is dating all the way back to 2019, by the way. 5-0 <laughs> <laughs> in the last five. Four and one ATS in those five games. Wait, <laughs> you, was, said 20, you said since 2019. What's the caveat? No, there's no caveat. Like, is they just they you know they don't play that often. They only play twice a year. They've literally I mean, had in the head. Oh, you mean against each other? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. in the head to head. You just said straight up. I'm like the last. Yeah. Five oh, my games fault. My fault. Yeah, in the head to head. In the head to head between these two teams, Boston's five and zero oh in the last five straight up, and four and one ATS. The under has come in in four of the last five, being the last one, the only one that went over. Delonte, what are you doing in this game? Man, I'm I'm with Scott. I'm I'm on the over as well. I mean, I don't understand the money at all. I didn't even know that it, uh, it moved that that much. But um, along with uh, both of the teams being able not being able to you know defend with you know their respective uh, problems on the defensive end, they're both 
like two of the most efficient offenses in the NBA. Uh, the Boston Celtics are, let's see, they are first in points per per 100 possessions. Uh, Denver's first in effective field goal percentage. So not only will they be able to get up and down the court, but once they get in a rhythm, they'll be able to score. I mean, it's just it's it's in the numbers. They're both very effective when there's uh when they're running their offenses. Uh, both teams six and four uh, to the over uh, in the last ten. Uh, Denver is five and two to the over on the uh, on the road, while Boston is three and one or four and one. I'm sorry, at home. So uh, I'm I'm with Scott on this. I don't, I don't understand how both of these teams don't at least get to 115, 118, somewhere around that range. As far as the side, I would probably lean to Boston um, simply because I don't think that Denver will be able to contain Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, not many teams can, but the way they're playing right now, I don't see much slowing down between them. So I would lean to the side of, of Boston and definitely to the over uh, for the total. All right. Uh, let's see. Bro, I, I know you're going to take Denver because you hate Boston. So just get it over with already. It's gonna <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why I let y'all go yeah. first. Well, what <laughs> me going first? Everybody already knew my pick. And I mean, hey, all I'm going to say is the Sharps is with me. 45% of money is on, I mean, 45% of the bets is on the Nuggets. 80% of the money is on the Nuggets. Sharps coming in heavy on the Nuggets here, plus four and a half. And I'm going to take it because. Ultimately, it's the same logic that you guys have. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think this is going to be a track meet. And I think that this could be a close game. Like, these two teams kind of match up very well. And honestly, I don't know who's going to slow down Jokic. Like, I have no idea who's going to slow down Jokic for this for this Boston Celtics team. And so, when Jokic gets in his mode and he has one of those crazy Jokic games, and I feel like it's been a while since we've seen him with one of those crazy Jokic games where he just he, he was going to have one against India. He was going to have one last game, and then he picked up five fouls like by the <laughs> early part of the third quarter. Yeah. But I think he had like 15 points in the first quarter. Like he was headed for 40 and then foul trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 going there. I don't think that he gets into that point where he just picks up all those fouls like that. And I'm playing I'm playing a big Jokic game. We always play centers against the Celtics. We've been doing mm-hmm. this for years. So I'm going to play a big Jokic game. And I think that this is going to be the one that everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's MVP Jokic. And plus, they lost to this team five times in a row. Come on, guys. Like, y'all got to show up. So, yeah, I'm on the Nuggets plus four and a half. That was easy. Y'all, I'm, I'm sharp there on that one. <laughs> what about we'll, we'll, we'll see Jokic at the end of the game? game. But, you know. I'll, go, I'll go Jokic triple-double and a win. What's that? Find me a, let's find a number and a number on that. That's got to be a juicy number. I'll pull that up while we move on. All right. Next game on the slate, we have the Phoenix Suns going to play the Orlando Magic. Minus seven and a half are the Suns on the road against the Magic. Two, 17 and a half is the total injury report for this one. And we have Landry Shamit, who is out. For the Suns, Chris Paul is questionable. Paolo Bancaro and Kavon Harris are both questionable for this game. That's really going to open up more of what you decide to do in this one. Scott, you got a number on that before we break this down? A number is in my thoughts on the game, or do you have an actual Oh the, uh, No, I'm talking about the, uh, the tr- Jokic oh, sorry. triple-double. Uh, I, was, I was pulling it up right now. Uh, so I'll give you both. I'll give you the triple-double, and then I'll also give you the with the win attached to it. So triple-double, Jokic is plus 280. Which is mm, man, not, value. not great. Not value. Uh, but Jokic with the triple double and uh, them to win is sorry, just pulling it up here. Um, the worst part is trying to find it in the list of massive things around here. 
Uh, I see plus 780. Okay, that's worth it. I'll buy that. That's a good bit. Okay. All right, uh, where are we at? Um, Denver's eight and three. Just Denver's eight and three. That's slightly shocking, but yes, seven and a half. Delonte, what are you doing with Suns? Uh, honestly, it uh, did it say uh, on the injury report whether Paolo was is he probable? It's just, just questionable. It's just questionable. Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to uh, to dictate what Orlando is going to be without Paolo in the lineup. Um, if he's in the lineup. Honestly, they they're a little bit they they've been a little bit feisty uh, at home. Uh, they're five and one against the spread at home. So I mean, most of the time they're catching bigger numbers. And uh, my first day on the on the show, I took Golden State and and lost against them because Jalen Suggs wanted to tap into his inner Gonzaga days. And well, just, good for a half. Yeah, and just torch. <laughs> he he was just torched Steph and Clay and anybody that was on him. Uh, but. I would have to probably I would lean to Orlando with a caveat that if you know or if Bancaro plays, I definitely will be on um Orlando. Uh, Phoenix, they play good defense. Uh without Chris Paul, is he questionable as well? Yeah. I'm gonna miss that. Yeah. So yeah, it's kinda it's, it's kind of a lot of, of factors that go into which way I lean. But if Bancaro's in, definitely would lean towards Orlando. Uh I mean, they don't they don't do anything well as far as shooting, but getting to the rim, they are tw- they are second in shots made. They shoot sixty seven point nine percent at the rim. Uh, now, the downside to that is that Phoenix is really great at defending the rim, but um, without Ben Carroll, I don't think they I don't think they can cover this number. But with them, I think they got a shot. All right. Yeah. The. Oof. Are we just, blind, are we just blindly backing Booker again? I think we just blindly back. No, well, yeah, no, we just blindly back. Booker I'll take again. his like, his assist if he if if Chris Paul's out. Uh, you know, he's more been more you know facilitator. So yeah, he had he had ten last game. Yeah, we yeah. So talked about that that last time out when we said that Devin Booker, I mean that Chris Paul was out there. We liked Devin Booker assist, and he went out there had a double double. So yeah. I see uh, six and a half. The over is plus one sixteen for Booker to get seven or more assists. Yeah, they see they ticked it up a little bit. It was five yeah. and a half last mm-hmm. game, which you know I understand, but I think we just blindly kind of back uh, Booker's points there, and um, uh, yeah, I mean I don't I don't really have a handicap here because Paula Ben Carroll just means so much to right. if I even question it, the Magic are going to be in this game, so I'm just going to blindly take the Suns, Scott. Yeah, I think that this line is where it should be because we don't exactly know the injury uh, report or the final injury report. I think we can agree Boncaro is a lot more valuable than Chris Paul right now. Chris Paul's basically a shell of his former self. Of course, he's yep. still a very good floor general, but he really doesn't operate much of the offense anymore, and that's why his point totals have been so low this season. I'm on the fence for this one. I think I'm going to lean to the under. Orlando did play without Boncaro against Dallas. They won the game. And yes, Dallas is a pretty underwhelming team right now because Luka's been a bit of a funk and they have no backup options, but I don't exactly trust Orlando offensively to do much without Boncaro, and I do think Phoenix, even though they can score a lot of points, they are a bit methodical, and Orlando's not exactly an up-tempo team. I'm going to lean to the under there. If you want a kind of a sneaky look, I maybe wouldn't mind the magic fourth quarter. Phoenix, which was known for being a great fourth quarter team, if you look at their point differential on the road this season, it's the fifth worst in the league. They have a negative 4.5 point differential in the fourth quarter in road games. They're just a really bad fourth quarter team on the highway. Orlando, though, at home, plus two at home 
I don't really know why, but Orlando has been a decent fourth quarter team at yeah. home and Phoenix is not. You also have a blowout angle. If Phoenix blows it open, they maybe take their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. A sneaky plus money play might be Orlando fourth quarter. I'm just going to throw it out. No, there. yeah, I like that. I think that it, and you could get some pretty solid odds on that if you bet it pregame rather than, mm-hmm. you know, closer to win a game. But it shocked me, though, because Phoenix what are the odds was so great. Uh, let me see if I can find you, it. Like, you, like, usually I know some books post fourth quarter odds, but. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, let me, I have it here. Orlando fourth quarter money lines plus 116. The spread's plus one and a half. Yeah, I mean, pretty standard for pregame quarters. It's short, so yeah. but it just yeah. shocked me that Phoenix, who's been known for being such a great fourth quarter team, is that bad on the road this season in the fourth quarter. I found that kind and, of shocking. I mean, it kind of goes back to Chris Paul used to dominate the fourth quarter for that team, and now that he's you know kind of playing as a shell of himself, that they decline as a fourth quarter mm-hmm. team, and they're still trying to figure out, all right, book – you know, are you going to be that guy? Are we going to go more to a team style basketball? How are we going to attack the fourth quarter now? Uh, really quick for, well, we're wrapping up on that game, but let's just double back into the comments real quick. We got Tatum over 27 and a half points over two and a half threes, Michael Porter uh, threes. I'm pretty sure his threes are probably set at two and a half as well. Probably heavily juiced to the over a two and a yeah. half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on, I mean, I like all three. I truly, I like, we're all expecting three. over like, 230 yeah. points. I'm not going to take an under on any of these props. I mean, we're just yeah. expecting people to score. And Michael Porter, I think does have a little bit of a mismatch with the, uh, with the wings, with the wings of the, um, Celtics there. I mean, Jason Tatum, I think will do a pretty good job, but if he can, you know, avoid Jason Tatum and, have a matchup over a smaller guy, then I think that Michael Porter could actually have a little pre- pretty decent of a game. There's some there's some points there's some points prop to be made in that game. Yeah. You just got to figure out the right one. Maybe yeah. I'll have it at the end of the game. Yeah, if KCP is mostly on um, Jalen Brown, then Tatum could blow through that, like because he's the only on ball defender that that they have. So they're gonna try Bruce Brown. He gives up too much size to Tatum. So yeah, that's yeah. An issue. Yeah, so if, if KCP can, you know, stay off him a little, I think he might blow through that. Yeah, we all know Mike Porter Jr. doesn't know what defense is. Mm-hmm. All right, next game on the slate, we have the Detroit Pistons going to play the New York Knicks. Minus eight and a half for the Knicks. Come up from seven. 224 and a half is the total. Clicking over for an injury report here. And we have Quentin Grimes, who is probable for this game. Not like it matters. They don't use it. <laughs> Uh, and for the Detroit Pistons, we have Alec Burks, who is probable, Marvin Bagley, Kate Cunningham, Hamadou Diallo, all questionable for this game with different injuries. All right, Scott, you're getting eight and a half with the Knicks against the Pistons at home. What are you doing? So this one has me thrown for a loop because Kate's questionable, but we know players, you know, occasionally step up for these MSG games. I think Ivy has himself a great game. If Cunningham's not in the lineup, I'll look for his player props over. Uh, maybe yep. Bogdanovich threes as well. But the Pistons, we've talked about. We're, we want to like this team on paper, but we think Dwayne Casey's a bad coach. And it's just really how it comes down to it. I think that they're a poorly organized team that seems to really fall apart, especially in the second half of games. Now, the Knicks can go two ways because they got blown out against their in-state rival by 30 and change. They no-showed the game. They've been awful offensively. Defensively, not great either recently. So you can argue that that might linger or they'll be pissed off and they'll show up for this game. So you can make an argument either way. I don't trust either team, so I'm going to lean to Detroit. I'm not laying eight and a half with the Knicks right now or eight with the Knicks. I can't do it. This team with Thibodeau offensively is not great. 
Barrett has been really struggling lately. It seems like he has just plateaued a bit, and you're kind of waiting for him to take another leap, so to speak. I'm not sure he has it in him. Randall's been decent this year. Brunson was good to start the year. He's kind of fallen off a cliff lately. And defensively, this team's a disaster. So I'm going to lean to Detroit and hope that the three-point shooting keeps them in this game. But I can't lay eight with the Knicks right now. That I just can't do. So give me Detroit. All right. Delonte, over yeah, here. man, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, it's just a lot of like if if I could get a, at least if I could get Cade back, like mm-hmm. I, I obviously we won't get eight, eight and a half. I think it might go down to where it opened at. But like six or seven, probably. Yeah, yeah. If if he could if we could get K back, who I mean K hasn't been like his last game, he was one of eleven. Uh he only had not like four points, three rebounds, two assists, oh for five from three. So and like you said, a lot of players show up in Madison Square Garden. So if we could get Cade, and I've I've read that uh, Alec Burks is likely to play. Um, I was a digging reve- into- a revenge Burks game. Let's right. go. Hey, that, that's 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 what I was leaning <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah um, it's just a lot of uncertainty on the Detroit side. So I can't just endorse a play, but I would be leaning to Detroit. I mean, there. I think the second half that they had last year. And what they did in the offseason as far as getting Ivy and how he looked uh, in the, I guess, six or seven minutes that he played in the summer league. And um, they were covering spreads. Like, I was betting them, like, every – after the All-Star break, I was betting them, like, every game. They were just Mm -hmm. crushing it every game. So, I think they came in a little bit overvalued uh, as a team from a point spread perspective. So, with K-back, I'd definitely be on them. But, I mean, like you said, I can't trust the Knicks. I don't know what – I don't know what they're going to do as a – big favorite like this. I mean, they are at home. They got blown out, like you said, but I just don't know the psyche of this team if they were able to win by, I mean, essentially double digits uh, against a feisty Detroit team. Detroit's a bad team, but I'm going to ask Terrell, is there any team in the league that you'd actually want to be laying eight points with the Knicks against? Yeah, the Detroit. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. I'm just fading. I'm fading Dwayne Casey. I'm fading Dwayne okay. Casey and Dwayne Casey to make adjustments if potentially his star player is out against the Knicks in this spot. I know that this is a spot where the other team can show out and have a really good game and not necessarily other team, but specific players. Like people coming to Madison Square Garden, that's big lights. That's the mecca of basketball. Like that's where you want to go show off. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm buying into Javen Ivy, especially if Kate Cunningham is out. I'm I'm buying into him, you know, having that good big spot. And they came to, I'm pretty sure, was that in Madison Square Garden or was that in Detroit? Let me go back and look. It was in the Garden. So they come to some, excuse me, they come to the Garden already this season. So, yeah, I'm the Knicks blew them out there. I expect them to do close to the same here. I, I just think that the Knicks are a team that you can bet them against weak teams and anybody that has a pulse, a living, breathing pulse, and is able to close out games, then I don't think that you want to uh, bet against the Knicks for, but well, bet with the Knicks against. But no, I think that this spot against the Pistons where they have a questionable defense, I don't think that the coaching aspect of Dwayne Casey can will them for four quarters over a win here. I think that this just kind of stretches out, stretches out, stretches out. Knicks get a pretty nice one at home to bounce back from getting absolutely destroyed by the Nets. So yeah, I'm on Knicks minus eight and a half. I don't have numbers on the Pistons players because they pulled all the props while yeah, cutting right. is still questionable, but I'm, I'm not sure if I fully love a ladder for Ivy, but I do think he's going to have a very good game here. I don't think Cade's going to play. You read off the numbers before Delonte, but 
He went a, he went one for eleven and got pulled mid game against Boston. Yeah, I don't think he's playing. I I think he's missing the game. When you shoot that badly, it means that something was definitely lingering before that. I think they give him the day off, and I think Ivy's going to have the full green light to have the ball in his hands the entire time. Maybe boy on threes. The Knicks defensively against the three have I believe not been great this season. They haven't been great at anything defensively this season. So. Yeah, no, no. I like I like I like Pistons props. I think this is a high scoring game, and when we go to the total, I'm definitely going over. I just think that the Knicks are able to put together a lot more possessions and get a lot more things offensively going. Whereas the Detroit Pistons are probably going to do a lot of their scoring in spurts. Like they may actually come out and have a really good quick spurt in the beginning of game, but I think that this is more of just the Knicks route at the end of the game. Yeah, one more thing, if I can add. Um, yeah. The Knicks, like, uh, I was looking at some of the defensive metrics. They're not as terrible as some of the, like, some of the eye tests would say. Um, I seen that they were third in field goal percentage allowed and 12th in three-point percentage allowed. So, I mean, that kind of goes, even though I'm leaning to the to the Pistons, I, I can get where you're going with uh, some, of the, some of the Knicks stuff. And, I mean, Detroit, offensively, they're, like, horrible. They're bottom five. Field goal percentage, three point percentage, uh, effective field goal percentage, two point percentage. They, they just they can't put the ball in the hole at all. So uh, I can see where you're going, but like if Cade is there, him Ivy, I think that I think that they can stay within the number. But like you said, I I would highly doubt that Cade plays. Um, I would probably look at the points, rebounds, assists for um, Ivy. The last three games, 35, 32, and twenty seven mm-hmm. total. So Statistically speaking, the Knicks might be a mediocre defensive team according to analytics and everything, but with yeah. Thibodeau being a defensive-minded coach, the series red flag for me isn't the fact that they're giving up a lot of points. It happens. You know, there's a lot of talent in the NBA. It's yeah. just the lack of effort for a consistent 48 minutes. It looks like they're going through the motions for half the game, both offensively and defensively. It just seems like they lack a certain intensity, which has been the story of Thibodeau's career. Usually the first couple of years, you have a mass maximum effort and the Knicks made the playoffs because of it. And since then, it just seems like they pick and choose when they actually want to play with full effort. And for that reason, I am concerned about this defense because I just feel like they're not fully committed to that end like they were the previous few years. That's my main issue with this defense. I agree agree with that. Anything else for this game? No. I I like the over as well, but that's basically it. All right, next we have the Milwaukee Bucks going to play the San Antonio Spurs on the road. Spurs are lane two on the road here. 220 is the total. If you see the Spurs lane two, you know it's got to be some injury stuff. So guess what? Giannis, Andrew Holiday both out for this game. Zach Collins on the Spurs side still out. Don't think he's even made an appearance this year. Giving a lot of Kendrick Nunn vibes there. A lot of Kendrick Nunn vibes. Nunn's All right, Alonso, played, you, but they've scored the same amount of points. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah, that's actually true. All right, San Antonio Spurs minus two. Delonte, what are you doing? Man, I know it's crazy, uh, but the Spurs, like they've been in every single game, like for except for when they got blew out by. I think Toronto blew them out. They benched like bench everybody in that game. Doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. So. I think they've been been feisty. So I would actually lean in playing uh the Spurs in this spot. Uh I mean some of the some of the numbers of course are are skewed with uh Milwaukee because you know they're not going to have Drew, they're not going to have um Giannis. But um they of course they lean on their defense and I think that Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, I think that that's a good one-two punch. Uh I would look one of my favorite plays in this game 
uh, is going to be Keldon Johnson over five and a half rebounds. Being that uh, Zach Collins is not there, he's more so playing like a hybrid four. So he's down in the paint. He he does a lot of posting up. Uh, he's like a stretch four type of uh, type of player. But he'll be inside, and we all know Brick Lopez. He's not going to you know want to actually bang against anybody, no matter the size. So he's going to try to stay more on the perimeter. I do worry about Bobby Portis um, banging up with uh, Keldon Johnson and wearing him down a little bit. But five and a half rebounds, I think it's kind of short. Uh, he's got there in four of the last five. So that would be one of my uh, plays in the game. As far as the side in total, I, I would like play. I would play San Antonio, honestly. Uh, they took a heartbreaking loss to Memphis a couple nights ago. I think they bounce back and get the win against shorthanded uh, Milwaukee team. All right. Scott, over to you. Although I just touch upon uh, what you talk about for Milwaukee's bigs. Lopez's rebounds is seven and a half. The overs plus money. Bobby Portis is 12 and a half and it's minus 115 <laughs> on the over. Portis yeah. can rebound like a machine. He's a hell of a player. Yeah. But he's down, he's playing down there, man. Brooklyn yeah, he is. Don't want well, no. he needs to. We don't want it. Splash Mountain out there is trying to shoot three pointers the entire time, but yeah, he, he I'm, I'm, literally Mountain. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm going with uh, San Antonio as well. I really like this play. Milwaukee beat Oklahoma City in miraculous fashion because Shea hit the game. What we thought was the game winner. Then the one thing you can't do is give up an alley oop, and they gave up an alley oop because they fouled Lopez. He hit both free throws, but. Am I expecting another Javon Carter 36-point masterclass? I am yes. not. Yes. Yes, <laughs> you are. I am not. So yes, you are. I think <laughs> even though Milwaukee won the game, I think it was a little bit fluky because Carter just woke up on the right side of the bed and had himself a nuclear game. I'm he not going to assume that. When did you know you was going off the day when I woke up? When I woke up, yeah. He just woke yeah. up and had one of those days, but I don't think that's going to happen All dog team. Javon Carter, dog. Yeah, definitely a dog. I love them in West Virginia, yeah. but still. Yeah. I, I still think that if you're looking at the overall talent for both teams, San Antonio probably is the more talented roster with Giannis and Drew missing, and I do think that San Antonio at home, they have a good home court, but they've been feisty, and I faded them in that one game where they had a tank squad against Toronto and they lost by 40, but when they actually use everyone, Vassal, Johnson, I'm a big Yaka Pertle guy. I think he's a good center. I think he should have yeah, a, good, a good game on the glass. Trey Jones, pretty underrated point guard. Can't really shoot, but he's a very good facilitator. I think the ball movement will be a lot for Milwaukee's defense to handle, and I do think that San Antonio has enough offensive weapons to actually score against this defense. And people can talk about Holiday's absence being a big deal offensively. He's also well-regarded around the league as being one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, mm -hmm. and that's why Shea absolutely torched this team last time out. Yep. I think that's the San Antonio can actually get a lot done in these perimeter matchups because I'm not sold on Grayson Allen playing a boosted role defensively. Give me San Antonio at home. I think it's a good number. I'm going to take him. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm on, and it's – I mean, you guys said while while I'm on San Antonio, I'm not going to piggyback off that. I'm going to just go straight to the props. And I mean, Devin Vassell has just been a man on a mission this year. Like, he's really taken over and stepped into that role coming out of Florida State and really taken over as that next good player for this San Antonio team. I know we got Keldon Johnson there, but Devin Vassell's been playing really, really well in that backcourt. And they just now caught up with the prop. His prop sitting at 20 and a half. And I still think that's still a little bit short for him and that he can get the 21 points in this game. And it's really just because there's no Drew Holiday to take on that best guard in that backcourt. And I know we think of Javon Carter, we think of, oh, he's a pretty good defender, perimeter defender, but it's just not the system for him. And that's why I was on 
Shea, knowing that Javon Carter was still playing this game, was going to get more minutes. He also has used just, a lot of energy offensively yeah. because he's going to handle the ball a lot. And it's just more of he came from West Virginia. What does West Virginia do? They play that zone and run the zone all the time. And so it's Both more of a pressed, zone defense. Yeah. yeah. It's That's like he team. has he has help from his other from the other players and how he plays defense. And he's more man a man on an island when he plays in his Milwaukee Bucks system. So he gets cooked a little bit more than he probably should. And I think Devin Vassell, I'm not going to pick Trey Jones. And I might actually sprinkle a little bit on Trey Jones to do some scoring this game. I don't mind the assist potentially for Jones. Maybe a, a sneaky double-double look there. Yeah, like a, yeah, he had a double-double in the last game against Memphis, 11-11. and He was 4 for 13 from the field, which is... I'm just saying, it, it's 5-1 to yeah. one for Trey Jones' double-double. That's a hell of a deal. Yeah, I guess For a starting point guard for against a defense that just gave up like one... Tw- I know it went to over, double overtime, but Oklahoma City had a lot of good offensive possessions there. Five yeah. to one for a starting point guard against a compromised defense. Him, that's a hell I like, of a deal. I like Jones, and I like uh, Josh Richardson. I don't see any Josh Richardson props right now because he's coming off the bench. But closer to game time, I'm going to be looking towards Josh Richardson as well. I think that he's another shot creator that can get behind this Milwaukee defense and put put together some nice scores. But yeah, I think this is the game to get on uh, San Antonio props here, and hopefully they don't nerf up the win. But we know this Bucks team just finds a way to win games sometimes. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're all on the over if we haven't made that stated yet. Anybody? I'm at least wanna... on San Antonio team total over, but yeah. I, I think I, it's 218 and a half with San Antonio. Like, I kind of have to take the over in that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next game on the slate, we have the Toronto Raptors going to play the OKC Thunder in Oklahoma City. Minus five for the Raptors. 219 and a half is the total. Scrolling over for an injury report here. And we have Darius Baisley, who was out for the Thunder. Then we have uh, Birch and Achua, who are both out for the Raptors. And we know that Pascal Siakam is going to be out for a little bit of an extended time, so they're not going to have him as well. All right. I'll kick things off pretty easy. I'm taking OKC plus five. I'm taking OKC plus five. I rarely, rarely don't like catching points with OKC. I'll definitely do it over a Raptors team that's missing its best player, a couple good role players, and a Shea that wants to prove, one, I'm a winner. I can go out here and get a win. And he really had a win last game. I still, to this day, have no idea how we got to double overtime after he hits a game-winning three with 0.0, not game-winning, but a go-ahead three with 0.6, yeah, 0.0.6 left on the clock, up one. Like, I have no idea how we even got to overtime at that point. But, yeah, I – I'm on Shea here. I think Shea has another really, really solid game. It's just one, I'm kind of downplaying Fred Van Fleet and what he's been doing defensively this year. But I think Shea got to show out for the hometown team playing playing for uh, playing in OKC against the Raptors. Everybody knows about the Shea to the Raptors talk, and it's been going on. It's been a lot. There's been reports. It's been everything. It's saying that he, he is a player that can make a move for. Why not show off? I'm on Shea all over again today. But, yeah, give me this OKC team plus five. I think that even with Baisley out, they still have a lot of players that can still score the basketball, which is Shea. I like Dort a lot better at home than I like him on the road. Trey Mann has been doing a lot of good stuff for them off the bench. I think that this OKC team can keep it close. For I'll, I'll, I'll go next, I guess. So yeah. this, I'm, on, I'm on the fence about this one because Toronto's been pretty underwhelming on the road. 
They're two and four away. I think one of the only ones they have, yeah, was against San Antonio when they had a tank squad in and they won by 43. So yeah, they lost to Chicago by 14. They lost to Dallas by one. It was really four. They had a meaningless buzzer beater. I don't know if it was meaningless to actually cover in the end, but it was a buzzer beater that meant nothing at the end of the game. Uh, they ended up beating Miami, which I don't even know if that's a good win anymore or not. But still, <laughs> the point is on the road, they have not been great. But I am going to link to Toronto in this one. Oklahoma City once again lost to a Milwaukee team that was missing Giannis Andrew Holiday. They gave up forty. They gave up thirty six points to Javon Carter. That's almost impossible to do. Like I'm going to have to lean to the Raptors here. I just really like their overall depth. I just think that the Raptors have a lot of options, even without their best player in Siakam. Van Vliet's been really good since coming back from injury. And Anobi's been amazing. He's been a great player for that team. Scotty Barnes is still really good. And I know that their center spot might be an issue, but OKC can't rebound either. So I don't think that's really going to be a big issue. I don't mind maybe Scotty Barnes' double-double in this game. I think he could have a pretty good rebounding game especially. But I'm on Toronto. I think defensively, they can throw a lot of different looks at Shea to maybe limit him. Shea might go nuts anyway. It hasn't mattered. They're four and seven. They've lost four straight. So Shea can get his. They just stop everybody else. But I'm going to take Toronto here. I think that even though Oklahoma City maybe should have won the game against Milwaukee, you went to double overtime against a team missing Giannis and Middleton and Holiday. I'm not exactly impressed by that. I'm going to take Toronto. They're a deeper team. They're a better coach team. I do I do really respect Oklahoma City's coach, though. I think he's very good. But I am going to go with Toronto here. I think the number's a little bit too short. If Shade does not go for 35, Oklahoma City might get run out of the building. That's good enough for me. I'm going to take Toronto. All right. Matze, what you doing? Um, did you have a, a, a total for this game? Um, I just want to make sure it's accurate before I read it off. Uh, 219 and a half. Yeah, I, I like the over. Um, as far as the side, like I think both of you guys made compelling. Points. It's tricky. It's very yeah. Tricky. Like like I could I couldn't. I, I guess it's like a coin flip to me. I mean I don't really. I trust OKC getting points at home more than I do Toronto laying no. points on the road. Sure. If that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But as far as like what I like the most, it would be the over. Like both teams, like uh number one in turnover rate. Basically OKC the percentage of their possessions that ended in turnover, they rank first in the NBA. And what Toronto does best is they take the ball away. They are third in turnover percentage. So, I mean, like, it's going to be a lot of possessions. It's going to be a lot of turnovers. That's going to lead to a lot of points, a lot of easy points, a lot of layups. So, I like the – oh, I think it's a little bit short. Um, Shea is, like, he's one of the better guards in the NBA, like, underrated. So, like – like you were saying, Terrell, I think he's going to be able to try to put on the show. The only problem I have with the over is that when Shea's not on the floor, like it's no offense at all. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know what to do. They have a negative 15 net rating when Shea's on the bench. And Toronto's bench is actually decent. Could be yeah. better. Right. Could be worse. So. so like my only problem is that we get a lull of maybe like four or five minutes where it's, you know, not a lot of scoring going on. Toronto's kind of they're trying to find that second score being that pascal's out they're trying to find a guy to you know get hot maybe og and trent can you know light them up from three but with basely out i think one of those guys is going to have a, a 20 or 25 point game i just can't pinpoint who it's going to be og scored uh 20 plus in the last uh three of the last four 
So he might be a good candidate to look at for some props. If, if I think he's the most underrated him. player in the league. I'm a big Ananobi. OG? I think he's a hell of a player. I mean, just health-wise, he just couldn't stay healthy. That's the problem, first, but I'm yeah, saying first years, yeah. he's a I, hell of a player if you watch him play. Yeah, so I would I would lean to the I would lean to the over. Um, just the only worry is just without Shea, I just don't know. Like if he gets in any kind of foul trouble, mm-hmm. um, if he you know if he's off the court for X amount of time, they just they don't know what to do without Shea. I mean, and rightfully so, but. I would have to. I would definitely lean to the over. I think we get a lot of possessions. Um, both teams gonna get up and down the court. Uh, eight and four against the spread is Toronto. Four and two on the road as a favorite. So that's kind of leaning in Scott's favor uh, with that. But uh, right. yeah, I would lean to the over. All right, like it, like it. Before we get into the rest of the slate, got to talk to you about us, the SGPN merch store, where you can go get anything you're looking for, any stocking stuffer, all of that holiday shopping, everything. Talk about my third leg of my parlay shorts. You could have Christmas sweater. You could have all of these things right now, 10% off when you use promo code D-A-L-L-A-S-S-U-C-K-S, all capital that spells something. No exclamation point. No exclamation point at all. Period. No exclamation point. No period. No nothing else. It's just straight up all caps. D A L L A S S U C K S. All right. Now, last three games. Let's go ahead and knock them out. We got the Minnesota Timberwolves going to play the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis minus four for the Grizzlies. 234 and a half is the total going over to an injury report here. And we have. Nas Reed is out for the Timberwolves. For the Timberwolves, Nas Reed is out, and that's all I'm seeing here. All right. Scott, what are you doing here with Memphis laying four at home? So normally this is a spot where a team just got eliminated by the other team, and you blindly bet the team that lost in the playoffs to get up and try to win this game. Yep. I think Minnesota stinks. Going yep. into the year, I thought they'd be a bad team. And I think that the Gobert trade might go down as one of the worst trades in modern NBA history. I think it's arguably worse than the... You can argue it's arguably worse than the KG-Paul Pierce trade to the Nets. It's a discussion. Ooh. I think, it, I think it's, it, it's, it's really yes, a discussion. It's in there. This, yeah, it's this in is going to age in horribly. There. Honorable mention, by the way, the Paul George trade uh, with Oklahoma City because they got Shea and about 95 draft picks. I think that's also one of the worst trades of all time for the Clippers, especially if they don't win anything. But this trade is an absolute disaster, and it's aging even more horribly. Their starting five is one of the worst starting fives in the league in terms of net rating. They can't play oh, together. They just can't do it. And D'Angelo's been terrible. He doesn't even know if he's supposed to be in the game or not. He's standing at the course. <laughs> but I'm just looking at the overall lineup. The spacing's terrible because Gobert can't shoot. D'Angelo's a non-factor when the ball's not in his hands, and there's only one basketball. That's the main reason why I hated their win total. I just thought that they would struggle. And Edwards can't even get to the rim anymore. He has, what, one dunk on the season? He can't get to the rim. And you're looking at what the Timberwolves want to do offensively. I I don't know what they want to do offensively. Do you know what they want to do offensively? Because Cat's been pretty underwhelming the season, too. There's no cohesion to this team. They don't do anything well, and even defensively, they have not been great this season. So... I think Minnesota is really just an overvalued team because they're not good as a team. And I thought it would take a while for them to actually gel. They might miss the playoffs. And I know it's really premature. It's very early. I know that. And maybe (laughs) they'll piece it together. I really don't see under what circumstance can the starting lineup actually work. 
What do they do well in? And they mortgaged half their bench to make the trade in the first place. Besides rebounding with Gobert. I'll ask you guys that. What are they good at? Because I haven't seen anything that they actually are elite at. Besides rim protection <laughs> with Gobert. That's it. Delonte, I'll let you use that to transition into your take. Uh, Man, listen. I Your take was so emphatic. I don't even want to tell you I like Minnesota. But... I do. You can. You can. Yeah, it's fine. I, 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 I like. I like. I like Minnesota here. Um, but I mean, it's not something that I like. Love. Like I wouldn't, you know, put like the four or five units on it. But I kind of like what I don't. I don't like anything that they have been doing lately. But I kind of. I can kind of see where they where they could be as they progress because it's going to take a while for Cat and Rudy to get adjusted to each other and to the. I love their coach. I love their coach and. The head of the snake is Anthony Edwards. Everybody knows that. Lately, he hasn't been playing well. He's under 20 points in the last three games. So, he, I mean, I think Memphis is kind of, I think last year, I think they were kind of like the team that played hard and when everybody else in the regular season didn't play as hard. So, some of the metrics might be kind of, you know, skewed a little bit. They're also missing Jackson, so the rim protection hasn't that, been as good this that, year. That as well. Like that. And, like, I've been – I was lower on them uh, coming into the season. I bet them under their win total. Uh, right now, they are 4-7-1 and one against the spread, 3-6-1 uh, and one as a favorite. I think that Ja – he he might struggle tonight against that against that uh, twin tower. I guess uh, that's kind of a like a – he wasn't good in the playoff series against one yeah. of them, so now yeah, he's so got Gobert. I, so, yeah, you, you're going right into my next point. So in in eight career meetings uh, with Minnesota, Morant's averaging 22.4 points per game, and that's like including scoring over 20 points. Uh, him failing to score over 20 points in the last three matchups. So I got to assume the field goal percentage is terrible in those games. Yeah, it is, which is why when my favorite bit probably of to of the day, like one of my top five. Bits is Ja under 30 and a half points because he does most of his damage at the rim. What the one, a few things that you know Minnesota does well is they defend the rim. Rudy in with Rudy and I mean to a lesser extent Cat, but they're gonna clog up the paint. It's not gonna be a lot of you know Ja floaters. Uh, he's gonna be it's gonna be affected. He's gonna be affected by that, and it's gonna make him a jump shooter. Now he is shooting 45. He's 45 percent from three, but small sample size. Uh, he's not going to shoot 45% for three. I mean, he's going to try to do most of his damage in the paint. And with Rudy and Cat uh, there, I think he's going to go under that. So I would, I, I kind of like Minnesota in this matchup. I think Anthony Edwards has a big game. I think, uh, I think Cat somewhat shows up, dominates the uh, matchup because he's going, he's going to have who Dylan Brooks or maybe, I mean, Adams is going to likely be on Gobert. So they'll cancel each other out. So I think Cat. He has a big game as well. Aldama? Question mark. Is is that the yeah. matchup? He's technically yeah, I, the power forward. Yeah, I mean, maybe Brandon so. Clark maybe a little bit. Yeah, so if Cat can stay out of foul trouble, which we know he has a very very big problem in doing so, I think he has a big game. But I look for Anthony Edwards to have a big game also. So uh, I'd lean to uh, Minnesota right now. I like Bain for his props. I think yep. he's going to play very well. Likewise, I got over his uh, over his uh, threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, it's easy for me. I'm taking Minnesota. I'm not Minnesota, but uh, Memphis. I'm taking Memphis minus four. Like it's it's pretty easy for me. I'm taking Memphis. So, uh, 
And it's really just more of I'm not afraid of Rudy Gobert in the paint. I don't. Ja, in the last two games he's played against, Rudy Gobert has 32 and 35 points, respectively. So I'm not really afraid of Rudy Gobert in the paint. I just believe in the talent of Ja Morant and the talent of the player. I think that this is either Rudy gets into foul trouble trying to guard him or Ja just goes and gets his. Like Rudy can be passive at times trying to make sure he doesn't get into foul trouble. And Ja is the perfect point guard that can exploit that. So I, I really don't have any issues. I still think that this Memphis team can score the basketball. And going back over to Scott's point, this starting lineup for the Timberwolves has not figured it out. They're not close to figuring it out. They're too busy arguing with each other. To they, This is the team that 100% needs a players-only meeting, and I don't think anybody in the locker room is willing to call it. So, I mean, I just think that they're going to suck. Like, they're not going to be good. And I don't know. This isn't the spot where... I'm I'm questioning Memphis as a favorite. They have let me down as a favorite multiple mm-hmm. times, but gut handicapping, I'm gonna just stick with it. Memphis is the better team, by far the better team. I think they go out here, show out. Josh still has a pretty good game. Give me Memphis minus four. I do want to ask. I'm I'm rolling to Memphis too, but there is one prop I'm looking at, and I'm not sure how to feel about it because I think you kind of have to toss last year's uh, playoff series in the garbage because of roster makeup. It's Steven Adams because I'm looking at his rebound prop. And it's around 10 and a half. And last year, as we remember, we slammed his under in points in every game because he couldn't play against this team. Nope. Now go Bears in the lineup with Towns. I think they have to use Adams. Like, I don't think they have a choice. I think he has to play a bunch of minutes. So on one hand, he'll be switching to every pick and roll, which isn't going to be fun. But you have to stop Gobert somehow. He's had a, he's had exactly 19 rebounds in two of the last three games. He played 37 minutes against San Antonio. Am I wrong for thinking about a ladder on his rebounds? I, I Capella I loved yesterday for the matchup alone against Embiid. He had 20. If you if you laddered that, I think him 16-plus rebounds was plus 880. You made a fortune yeah. if you laddered his rebounds. But Jeez. for Adams today, do you think he's going to play a bunch of minutes or do you think he's going to have to be benched because of what happened last year? I'm leaning towards him playing a bunch of minutes because Gobert in the lineup with Towns means that I kind of have to toss his overall matchup issues against Minnesota in the garbage from last year, don't I? Yeah, I think that I think that it's a good play, but the only thing that could go against is if Gobert doesn't play a bunch of minutes. Like if they force Gobert off the court, then of course they're gonna be like, oh well, Gobert's not out there. They're paying yeah. forty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll see, and but we'll see. That's how you know. Like I said, I think there's an angle of this where John Morant and Dylan Brooks can drive aggressively into the paint and get Rody force Rody Gobert out of this game, and so. Uh, I, I'm going to be look. I think that they're not going to be afraid. They're going to attack them in the paint. And but that is a really good play, just because of sheer volume, like minutes on the court. He should easily hit that prop. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I just, I think that he had. I mean, they have they have little to no size other than him. I Do mean, I so- ladder it all the way to 16. Like that's the real question. Adam 16 <laughs> rebounds is plus 550. Eh. I mean, he had 19 uh-huh. in two of the last it's, three. It's, it's not bad. Yeah, I think I you lost the value. Yeah. You lost Four, the value because he had 19. Yeah. 14 is plus 270. That's okay. 12, I see, is plus 130. I think that's a decent price. But 10 and a half at minus 111. At that point, I think I'd rather just take 12 at plus 130. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like to One said, more if, he, if he's yeah. if he's like in foul trouble, if Rudy's in foul trouble, I mean, I'm pretty sure that he's going to have his minutes staggered to play Whenever Rudy is playing, so if anything ha- if anything happens that. to Rudy, 
then he's probably unplayable with what Anthony Edwards yeah. can do off the dribble and to a lesser extent, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, it's the same handicap as the Capella game yesterday. As long as yeah. Embiid or as long as Gobert's in the game, you have only one counter. So he has to play a bunch of minutes. Agreed. That's kind of my yeah, logic. I agree. I agree. All right. Next game on the slate, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers still on the road playing the Golden State Warriors. Warriors laying two and a half here. 232 is the total injury report for this one. And I have Dante DiVincenzo, who is probable for this game, and Dylan Windler, who is still out. All right, Delonte, you're getting two and a half with the Cavs in Golden State. What are you doing? First quarter, Golden State. I love it. Minus one. I think it's still, is it still at my, I don't know if it's still at minus one. I was it's probably doing, around, it's I was, around there. Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing my notes, uh, one was, uh, was like the consensus. Like I don't trust Golden State to defend anybody and what Cleveland has been doing to teams offensively. Like I'm not sure that they'll be able to defend what they have. They're going to get beat up on the glass. Allen and Mobley are going to kill them on the glass because the young guys just aren't ready to play yet. They're just not ready to contribute and play Golden State basketball right now. It's going to take them some time, which, I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knew that. But um, I think Golden State coming off four days of rest, uh, this is, I think, the end of the road trip for um, Cleveland. So they'll be looking to get back home. This is their fifth game of the road trip, two and two so far. Travel hasn't been as you know rigorous because they've been in the state of California. I think they played – uh, Lakers, Clippers, and they finished off Sacramento. So I like Golden State to come out the hair on fire. Uh, I think Steph's going to have a big, a big night. Uh, they usually play up to the level of the competition. It's a big game. Uh, Cleveland's kind of this, you know, new up and coming, I guess you could say, team in the East um, with the move with the Mitchell. And one thing that brought me on to the first quarter was how like how Steve Kerr is doing his minutes, is doing Steph's minutes. So Steph usually plays, you know, the first like 10-ish minutes of of the game before he uh, gets a little break. So with Steph Curry on the floor, they have an offensive rating of 121.4. Without him on the floor, it's under 100. And their net rating without him on the floor is negative 20.1. So they are literally lost. It's similar to the Shea Gill um, handicap. This like completely lost without Steph on the floor. So I think with I think we should capitalize on Steph being on the floor and take Golden State uh first quarter, uh lean full game over. Uh just I, I wouldn't bet it right now. Uh but first quarter Golden State is uh gonna be on my card for sure. All right, Scott, over to you. Uh for this one, I'm gonna take the over. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. Golden State can't stop anybody. Cleveland defensively, despite having good rim protection, has also been a bit underwhelming defensively lately. The Clippers torched them. The Kings torched them. I think that both teams should have a lot of good opportunities from three. I'm just expecting Mitchell to take this matchup personally, and I'm just expecting him and Curry to each have like 30-35. I just think that you're going to see a massive uh, performance from both these guys. Mitchell's been so damn good this season, (laughs) and I feel like people acknowledge it but they don't fully acknowledge it. He's mm-hmm. been incredible. There's been no transition whatsoever or no transition issues for him. Maybe for Garland uh, dealing with him because I know he struggled a bit lately, but I expect Mitchell to play well. I agree about your points on the rebounds. I think Allen probably walks into 15 and 15 in this game. I think he should have a big game here, but I'm yep. on the over. Yep. Donovan Mitchell over. Donovan Mitchell threes. 
I, I just think he's going to have a big game here where he just goes <laughs> off and takes it personally. Uh, yeah, I also see Sharp in the comments section. Yeah, that's uh, what I was laughing at. Talking about how Golden State's going to come out with their hair on fire like uh, Pepsi did Michael. Uh, yeah, throwback <laughs> before my time. I got bad news for you, Shark. I don't know if you actually realize this. This is not the NHL show. This is the NBA show. So I don't know if you mentioned Yeah, he, yeah, I was about to say he definitely he's definitely on the watch. wrong feed here. He's yeah. he's never in this feed. So <laughs> just said uh, NHL this isn't the NHL show. So I'm kind of surprised to see you but nice to see you. But I'm on the over. <laughs> I think for the actual side I really have no I have no thoughts cuz I keep waiting for Golden State to do something and they just keep not doing anything cuz defensively they're that bad. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the over. But I do think Mitchell has himself a very big game, and Curry might do the same. <laughs> Real quick, uh, Scott, can what can you get for Jared Allen uh, over fifteen rebounds, like fifteen uh, plus? Okay, so fifteen for a book doesn't exist. They go, go in, they go in two, so it goes fourteen uh, and sixteen. Yeah, I'll what, give you both. Yeah, yeah. So fourteen, Jared Allen's two to one. Sixteen is for four thirty, which is meh, but still. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of sucked the value up because he's minus one fifty for ten and a half rebound. I mean that's too much juice to lay. Um, but I think he like dominates the glass. Like I don't think in three games versus in three games versus the Warriors on the Cavs, Jared Allen has twenty nine minutes, thirteen and fourteen. 35 minutes, 14, 17 and fourteen, and then twelve minute no thirty minutes, twelve and seven. And so, double double by the way is minus one eighty. So they're just expecting him to walk into about eleven twelve. Yeah, the question is gonna get to fourteen. Yeah, I don't know. They they play him kind of they play him kind of tough and be really physical with him under the rim. I, I have quarrels about taking his rebounds. I understand it, but I also, you know, it's not my yeah. one of my more well, you mentioned plays. the first quarter play. I just like the first quarter over. Golden State starting lineup's been amazing offensively. Defensively, they've been a train wreck. And <laughs> The Cavs, I just think both teams will come out just guns blazing, bunch of quick possessions. We've seen Golden State's games be very high scoring, and then occasionally the pace slows down a bit in the fourth quarter. I've also mentioned this in previous podcasts. I'm not exactly a fan of the Cavaliers' offensive execution in fourth quarter situations. So I expect a very up-tempo game early on, a feeling out process, and I think you'll see maybe even 65 or 70 in the first quarter, but I like the first quarter over in this matchup. I kind of like that, too. All right. Uh, let's see here. What was I looking for? Last five games, Cavs are four and one to the first quarter over, and the Warriors are three and two. But a lot of that is that road trip. Mm. Yeah, uh, Golden State uh, hasn't covered since October twenty seventh against Miami, of course, because mm. everybody yeah. covers against Miami. Three and two at home this season to that number. In the and one was quarter. against the Lakers. That doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even count that. Yeah. All right, so me here, I'm going to I'm going to back Golden State just because I feel like they're due, and this has been a really rough road threat for the Cavs. I think that the Cavs are just kind of licking their chops ready to get back to the crib. I think this is going to be a over a pretty entertaining game. Like I'm on the Donovan Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell has a pretty nice game. I'm I have Jordan Poole on my radar here playing against that second unit, and he's got to start shooting better at some point. Man. Yeah, it's yeah. He I think this to. is a good with the rest. This is a good bounce back game for Jordan Poole as well against that second unit and being able to get to the rim when he wants for the most part and avoiding a lot of the better defenders that are on this Caps team that are all kind of in that starting lineup. So I think Jordan Poole could have a very nice game here, but 
yeah, over all of that, echo all the thoughts you all have. Let's get to the last game and hurry up and wrap up and get out of here. We have the Sacramento Kings going to play the Los Angeles Lakers. Minus four for the Kings. 232 is the total injury report that I'm seeing for this one. And I have LeBron, who is projected out. Lonnie Walker is questionable. And Anthony Davis is probable. I don't, I don't think it's projected, by the way. LeBron is officially out. Yeah, so, I mean, anybody want to come here and make a case for the Lakers? That was going to be the question I had for you. I feel <laughs> like this line anybody? is ext- I was going to say, at what point do you acknowledge that a line's extremely trappy? And at what point do you acknowledge that a line's extremely stupid? Because the Lakers have been overvalued all season long. They're 2-9 and nine ATS, and that's with LeBron and AD. Mm-hmm. This team's awful, like really, really bad. And the Kings on the road are not great, but still... They had a very nice win against the Cavs last time out at home mm-hmm. after that really painful loss to Golden State where Herder clearly got fouled in that three-pointer and they didn't call it. But the Kings have been getting better as the season has progressed. The Lakers are really just <laughs> a bad team. They're just really, really bad. And you could argue with LeBron out, maybe the team steps up, judging LeBron's entire career, if LeBron's not playing, bet the other team. Because I believe his team's record when he doesn't play is ridiculously bad, no matter what team he's been on. I'm on Sacramento. If it's a trap, then the words of Terrell, I'm dead. But I can't take the Lakers here. I just can't do it. This team is such a train wreck. They're bad at everything. The only concern is Sacramento's awful at three-point defense. So maybe the Lakers can have a decent three-point shooting game. I'll believe it when I see it. Maybe Westbrook plays well, but I don't really care. The Kings are a decent team. The Lakers are awful, and they'd be tanking if they actually had their draft pick. Shout out to New Orleans. But I am going to go with the Kings here. I just think they're the much better team. All right. Man, what you doing? The Lakers, I'm, I'm full disclosure, I'm a Lakers fan, sadly. I know it's, it's just not a lot of I'm us. I'm sorry. I mean, everybody here hates sorry. their team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Everybody on this panel right now. You've had to watch team. this team, so I'm sure you hate them more than we do. But, Man, you know. so, like, they – I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about the Lakers. I mean, I would when I first seen this line, I was like, Sacramento three and a it's half. It's very trappy. It's like, very very trappy on the road. I mean, on the road, uh, Sacramento is four and one against the spread on the road. I mean, for what for what's that for whatever that's worth. But the Lakers two and four at home ATS. Um, I was thinking like maybe without LeBron, like. Something ha- like something's got to happen with these guys. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm done making excuses for them. Uh, I just don't. I, I just can't lay points with. I can't lay points with Sacramento on the road. I mean, I don't want to lay points with Sacramento anywhere, anyway. But like, I would just stay completely stay away from this game if you have, if you if you have to bid it. I mean, I would just take the Lakers as a small home dog. Um, just don't don't even bet the spread. Just bet the money line because it's, it's either they're gonna. Win the game outright, or they're going to lose by thirty. It's, the it's no, it's, arg- yeah, it's not. Say, it's no in between. It's the main no argument for the Lakers in this matchup is AD, and he should do whatever he wants on the interior. Right. The right. problem is the only person who can really stop AD is himself, either for injuries or just the lack of aggressiveness for X amount of minutes at a time. It feels like often. he should be dominating all the time, and he doesn't. And it's mm-hmm. really frustrating. I'm sure it's even more frustrating for Lakers fans. <laughs> this is a matchup where he really should walk into about thirty and fifteen. Right. But I'm just expecting him to go for 20 and 12. And you're going to be looking at, like, where's AD? Like, he's, why is he on the perimeter again? 
Like just get like get in the paint. <laughs> Where's Dominic, AD? Where's Waldo? <laughs> I've never I've never heard of anybody who who is so effective at doing something but doesn't want to do it. like he's so good at playing the five. Like the the numbers for him at the center position are like completely different from whenever he plays the full I guess quote unquote four when he wants to play like a stretch power forward role. Like and he just refuses to do it. Like he doesn't want to do. It. I've never heard of anybody not wanting to have success and doing it's something the, that you're it's good the at. same criticism that people have for Towns, except Towns can actually shoot above like 35% from three. He's mm-hmm. a drifter. He's a guy who you want to be in the paint and he's never in the paint. And I feel like that's going to really hurt the Lakers long term because this is a type of game he really needs to be aggressive and get to the line at least 15 times in this game. Like he can. It's there for him to go for 35 and like 12. I just don't trust him to do it because mentally he's afraid to do so. And I think that's going to be a serious problem in this matchup. Yeah, a couple of um a couple of props like I wouldn't bit touch the side or the total, but a couple of props I was looking at was Sabonis double double. Is that is that juice? How how juice is that, you know? Oh, it's uh, probably like 250 minus oh, okay. Sabonis double doubles minus 310. Oh, so. hell, well, no. Yeah. I wouldn't do that, but his points is 17 and a half. Definitely I don't see anybody on the Lakers being able to stop him. Like he's gonna do whatever he wants. He's he has had a double double in seven of the last ten. Uh, his points, rebounds, and assists is that pretty high? What is that like? Close to forty, I'm assuming. Uh, let me pull that up. Because uh, I was looking at that also. Whenever I was getting the numbers were just like popping up, but just sparingly. You said points, so, rebound, assists for him is thirty six and a half. Yeah, I would look at that over. I would look at that over because he can easily have twenty and fifteen. And that's just points and rebounds. He could, that that's that could come easy. Also, take a look at you know a Malik Monk revenge game. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I have no quarrels with that. Lakers are giving up ninth most points to the center position, third most rebounds. I have no issue with that. I mean, I can't. I don't like Sacramento. I think Sacramento sucks. I will be completely honest in saying this. I don't think Sacramento is good at all. But this Lakers team is really really bad. Um, I really probably should be taking plus the four because it's two bad teams. And I normally just take the points with two bad teams, but I can't in good faith take this Lakers team right now. If I play anything in this game, I'm playing the Kings in the first half. Kings are six and four Mm -hmm. uh, over their last 10 games. Well, 10 games that they played in, in the six, in the first half, whereas the Lakers are one and nine, one and 10, something like that. I do want to ask those one and eight. Since LeBron is out, there was one prop I was looking at, but I do kind of want to ask in general. Are we just assuming Westbrook starts? Yeah, he has to. I mean, uh, I did he start the last time LeBron was out? I'm trying to remember, but yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Remember. I'm I about to go remember. back and look. I, I got to assume he's starting in this game, right? Yeah, he has to. But the last time LeBron was out, I don't think. Troy Brown was available. I think Troy Brown is going to, especially if Lonnie, like if Lonnie Walker doesn't play, Troy Brown has to score like, I mean, 15, 16 points. Westbrook still came off the bench when LeBron was out. When LeBron was out, they started Kendrick Nunn, Austin Reeves, Troy Brown Jr., yeah. Wendell Gabriel, and Anthony Davis. How do you back this team? Like, how do you back this team? <laughs> I, I was I, looking I just, for Westbrook. How can you root for this yeah. team? I was I, looking for Westbrook triple-double. I found six to one, but... I really want him to play like 30-something plus minutes, and he still might off the bench, but I'm expecting a lot of opportunities because he should have the ball in his hands every single possession because who else is supposed to dribble for this team? But would you consider taking 6-1 to for triple-double if Westbrook doesn't start? I would. I mean, he's going to have the ball in his hands. 
We all know he's going to be aggressive, whether that's good or bad. Uh, he's rebounding should have some opportunities there. Yeah, but Terrell, I mean, I, even I the game that LeBron was out, how many minutes did Westbrook play in that game? You said 24. he didn't start. He played twenty four. And I mean, they got blew out by the Jazz. So okay. Yeah. Uh, what was the uh, what was the score in that game? Like one thirty nine, one sixteen. Oh, okay, That's that was a back to back as well. So yeah, yeah. That's about right. That's okay, about right. I, I, well, I don't. It was worth. I thought about it at six to one, but I really want him to be in the starting lineup. I'll probably wait if he's in the starting lineup. I'll probably take it. Yeah, I will just tell you to just take the Kings and prop wise, you could probably get some pretty good things going. Uh, Kings give up a lot from beyond a three Lakers can't hit anything from three. So if yeah. you hit on anybody's three point prop, you're probably getting a very, very nice price on it. Uh, if I had to pick somebody go for, go for a Reeves alternative and hope he hits like four or five. Yeah. That's where I was really sitting there. I don't see Reeves on this site. I'm looking on right now. I got to get my guy, Matt Ryan. Up I here. would, I would play Matt Reeves. I'm not Matt Reeves, but I would play uh, <laughs> Austin Reeves if I had to play anybody, but it, it, they're just so bad. Like, just I don't, you don't have to bet this game. Like you don't have to bet this game. I'm telling you right now. Please right. don't. Please don't. Let's go ahead and wrap this up in this quickly. We have lock and dog time for. Let's see. For my lock, I'm going with. Man, every time I lock up Memphis, it just doesn't go my way. I feel like this is the game to lock them up, though. Minnesota's really bad. Uh, I would, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be. Nah, I'm on Minnesota, so you, 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 you'll win. I, I'm I trying to. Been. I'm going two dogs. I'm just trying to decide. I'm weak. I win. I'm trying to decide how I'm gonna play him. Um, can't believe you're not taking the Knicks. Shocked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is a really big shocker here. Give me – let's go with OKC plus five. I'll take OKC plus the five in this one. That's my lock for my dog. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 no. They lost five straight. I'm not going to do They lost five straight. <laughs> give me the Nuggets plus the five and a half, plus the four and a half. That's my lock. And then give me OKC plus 170 as my dog against the Toronto Raptors. Scott, over to you. All right, so for my lock, I am going to go to a player prop in that Timberwolves-Grizzlies game. I'm going to take Steven Adams. I'm going to take him over in the rebounds at 10.5. I'm trying to see what the best line I could find. I believe it was minus 110, minus 115. I know it was awful against the Timberwolves in the playoffs last year. It's a different team. doesn't mean anything to me. The fact is, as long as Gobert and Towns are on the court together, Memphis has to try something in order to not get killed on the glass. And Towns, I see minus 111. I'll take it. He had 19 last game. We know Adams, despite not being a great offensive player, is still just an absolute brick wall. He's the strongest player in the league. And I do think that he can hold the zone against Gobert, especially, and even Towns, if Towns in the paint. But you're looking at Adams and his rebounding numbers lately, and he's been very, very good. He's had at least 10 rebounds in each of the last four games, in seven of the last eight games. And he had a major uptick in minutes, playing 37 against San Antonio last game out. I think he's going to play a bunch of minutes in this game, and I think the rebounding number should be easy. I'm going to take the over 10 and a half, and I'm assuming he'll probably end up somewhere around 14, if I had to guess. All right. Yeah, for my um, for my lock, uh, we mentioned it uh, just a few minutes ago. Golden State, minus one, first quarter. Uh, read off all the numbers with Steph Curry and uh, what the offense is when he's on the floor. The Golden State Warriors have two top 10 as far as net rating lineups. It's their starting lineup. I think they're number three. 
And then they have a lineup where, of course, they play the small ball with Draymond at the five and Poole, uh, Poole, Clay, and Steph at the three-guard lineup. That lineup is, I think, number eight. So with Steph playing those minutes early, I think that Cleveland is a little bit sleepy, ready to get back home. Uh, I look for them to take advantage of that and uh, win that first quarter by maybe about four or five points. As far as my dog, I'm going with I'm going with Minnesota. Um, I I just don't think that I, I don't know if they can get any worse. I really don't. Uh, they gotta start getting. They, they got. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to clip this one. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to clip that one. Hey, hey, hey man, they they gotta they they gotta come they gotta come around and play with some cohesion at some point. Um, yeah, I, I just I think that like while Ja he still Ja still might get you know 25, 26. Let's just hope he stay stays up. He, hell, he can even get thirty. I bet him thirty. I bet him thirty and a half under. So if they can keep him off the free throw line, uh, keep him you know pushed up into a jump shooter, and if uh, Ant Man can actually play like the player that everybody has projected him to be after that playoff run, I think that Minnesota has a good chance to uh, win the game outright. So uh, give me Minnesota, uh, Terrell. If this if this doesn't hit, just don't invite me on the show again. <laughs> but if it does hit, clip it. Nah, yeah, and tag nah, me. yeah, definitely, definitely. We <laughs> yeah. don't pull it. We don't pull it for you if it hits because this Minnesota team is just looking real rocky right now. Yeah, but, they they are. I, yeah. I, I I would I would definitely agree with that. But I think uh, I think the matchup wise, I think it's a good matchup for. Nah, uh, I like for, it. I like it. You made some good points. All right. Everyone, if you're not already, make sure you follow all of these gentlemen. Make sure that you are subscribed to the NBA Gambling Podcast on YouTube and subscribe to them wherever you get your podcast. Well, like, I, comment, I was, I was actually going to say, sorry, um, I actually what's didn't up? give out my dog. Oh, what's your dog? I'm going to go big for this one. Give me the Trey Jones double-double. I see plus 520. I'm yeah. going to take it. I think that's a great game. price. He's had at least nine assists in each of the last two games. Now, the issue is Milwaukee defensively is I believe allowing the second fewest assists per game. But I don't know how much that matters when they're missing arguably their two best defensive players. So I can mm, kind of toss the stats out the window. You know, it is their best two defensive players. So give me Trey Jones, double-double, plus 520 is a nice price. But that's going to be my dog. I might do All right. Love it. Love it. Everyone else, I mean, we, we've gone. We're uh, hour, 25 minutes in. Going to give you your time back. Go out there, make some money, win something, plays. Uh, probably drop some type of parlay or something cool in Discord. We'll see. SG.pn slash Discord if you're not into that. Other than that, Shark, I'll see you over there in the NHL show. Everyone else, I have no <laughs> idea how I'm in the podcast. We're just going to end it like this. We are out of here. Ba-da-ba-da.